This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. And let the church say, Amen. If you will, let's go to what scripture? I didn't hear you at home louder. Uh, one more time. Yes, Isaiah 62. Let's go there. And we're just, again, I'm not going to go through a whole lot, uh, over a whole lot of what we've been going over. I'm just going to, just a little bit of it because we got new information that I want you to have and I want you to grab a hold to. We understand what this scripture is telling us. We see that Israel's in trouble. We see that God has come to restore it. And God, we're bringing it right back home. We're bringing it right back to us. God sees that we're in trouble. He sees that our lives are in disarray. He sees that our country is in disarray. He sees that this nation is in disarray. He sees that the world is in trouble. But God has come to restore. He's sending me at this time. At this particular time in 62, he was sending Isaiah. But he's sending me at this time to get you to understand that he has a plan and a purpose to restore your life and to bring you into a place where you need to be. And you have to get it all in you so that you can be in that place. You ought to be hungry and thirsting to be in that place. And so we understand all those things, but we move forth. And let me tell you, in this, well, let's just read it first. Let's read um, chapter 62, verse 10. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. God is speaking that he's going to make a way. And he's telling us. You have to cast up a way. You're going to have to go through the gate. You're going to have to set a standard. You've got to be an example. You've got to make sure that everything in your life is situated and everything is in, in uh, proper perspective of God's perspective of things. That your life is getting on track with God. That's basically that you are aligned with Him. And when you are, you will cast up a highway and you will open up the gate so that others that are hurting, that are in trouble, they can come in, they can be blessed, and that they can be in a position where God wants them to be. And all of that, all of that takes time. All of that, and and this is the time right now. This is the time for you to have all of that in order. Because why? God is saying, it's your time. I know, we don't seem like, oh, I don't know if God wants to use me. God wants to use you. If you're in this ministry, God wants to use you. Let me tell you, you have found favor just by being in this ministry. And God wants to use you. He, he, he wants to position you. But in order for him to use you, he has different criteria that you must meet so that you can be an effective witness for him. That he can use you effectively. Amen. And then we said that we have to learn to love the time of preparation. This is a time of preparation. Preparation is always, always longer than the execution. And it's okay because when we are prepared, when the execution comes, that's when you're more confident. You're more bold. Why? Because I've been prepared. When a team has been prepared, they're not afraid to go on the field. They're ready. They're anxious. They're like, let's get it. Let's get it. Why? Because I've prepared. 
prepared for a long while for maybe a 15 minute show or a 3 minute show but I prepare with all of my heart why? because I want to win and that's the way you have to think of this amen I told you that you can't perform if you are not prepared. And God is trying to get... God wants us to be prepared in advance. He wants us to go forward. He's like, I don't want you to wait and try to get prepared when things happen. I want you to be prepared now. Amen? And I told you... People that look for miracles, you don't understand. Miracle comes with obedience. And people like, oh my God. I, you know what? If I'm visiting someone sick in the hospital or I know someone sick, I know the difference between a person that needs healing and need a miracle. And people, you know, they're like, oh, just heal them. They just heal them. But they're not understanding that healing is usually a process. It's usually a process. Unless it's miraculous that God just raise them up and that's not impossible but for the most part healing is a process a miracle is just instantaneously it's this bam there it is it go against everything that's natural that it would be it goes against time it goes against all those things it's a miracle and that comes with obedience and most of God's people don't even know that they don't even know how to pray for a miracle they rarely pray for a miracle all they pray for is healing because they think and they and they what they're saying is heal them right now actually they're really saying I need a miracle but they don't they they call it healing but because just a lack of understanding and a lack of teaching amen then I told you preparation is essential to be used by God that is something when when you, when you see the word essential that means it must be there so it is preparation must be there for God to use you. Amen. And remember I asked you the question. I, I asked you last week that even with this pandemic that came up, were you ready for it? Were you ready for it? Because things come up so quick. And that's, that's exactly, exactly the way ad, uh, adversities, and if they just happen. You can't say when, why, where, how. They just happen. And so you have to always be prepared so you're not caught off guard. Amen. We learned in previous weeks that if you're going to be ready, you must be skilled and be knowledgeable and, the, and have the ability be, to be used. And when I say knowledgeable, I'm not talking about being educated in the sense because most of the disciples weren't even educated in that sense. They had to be re-educated by the things of God. I'm talking about having the knowledge and the ability, the diligence. And it simply means that you have proven that you're going to be consistent and persistent, persistent, I'm sorry, in the work that God has given you. You're ready. You've got to be an attentive listener. You've got to listen in attentively. Don't listen to just, oh my God, I don't know, I don't know, you know. Go back and listen to it again. Listen attentively. And you'll hear God speak to you through everyone. Go back and listen attentively to Wednesday night. Go back and listen attentively to Sunday uh, uh, family life. Go back. Listen. Everything is important. And I know when we say premarital class, everybody's like, well, I don't really need that because I'm already married or, or I'm not thinking about marriage. But uh, that, see, a uh, once again, you don't understand God's, God's methodology at all. Because it's for everyone. It's for the married, the unmarried, the ones that's not thinking about marriage, the ones that are thinking about marriage. It's the whole package. But if you don't sit and listen, you won't hear. Amen. 
And then I told you that being ready simply means that you are available to work. And then I told you that was the difference between having a heart to do, I mean, having a heart prepared to do something and having a heart for something. Two different things. Having a heart for something and having a heart prepared to do something. Amen. And the difference between having a heart for and having a heart prepared is a heart for just means that your heart breaks what you see. Like, oh God. Well, you have a heart for that. But now a heart to prepare is when you see a condition and God uses your heart condition that you see and, and, and to affect change in what you see. And not, not just feel bad about it or that, that's just having a heart for, oh, I feel terrible. I hate seeing that. But God will give, God will see that you have a heart prepared and then He will give you the instruction to do something about to execute change in what you see. Amen. And then we talked about making sure that our hearts are cleaned up, our lives are cleaned up, making sure bigotry and prejudice and racism and foolishness and gossip and, and just things that will just slow us out. Make sure we're clearing all of that out of our lives. God, we have to be a vessel of honor. God is looking for a vessel of honor. And no matter what people do to you, no matter what they say, just, just, have, just be a vessel of honor. Just say, you know what, it doesn't even matter. And then I told you, your heart must be prepared to seek the law of God. You know, if your heart is not healed, if it's not strengthened, you will not seek the law of God. I'm telling you that now. You will not seek the law of God. You will not search for God's direction. You will do your own thing. And that is trouble. Then I also told you that to have a heart, to, you need to have a heart to do the law of God. God, when God sets it down, I have a heart to do it. Well, it doesn't matter whether my flesh wants to or not. My heart has to be right. God is not dealing with the flesh. Because this flesh is going back to the dust. The flesh, that's why God said we should be spirit, soul, and body. But most, most Christians are body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is way down here. The soul, they listen to everything that they're thinking. And their body, they just let it run reckless and let it go out of control and do what it wants to. But we should be a person that have our spirit. Our spirit should be dominant in everything. Telling the body, telling the mind, telling, telling the soul and the body what to do. Why? But that takes a strong spirit. That stays, that means that person is connected to God. It's not listening to any and everything, listening to the voice of God. Then I said we must be prepared to teach the law of God. You'll never be able to teach anything that's, uh, uh, that, that has to do with the things of God if you're not a part of the things of God. You have to be in God. You got to be a part of the work. You got to be involved so that God can get you to a place where you can teach. I'm going to tell you, nobody, understand this, nobody's going to listen to someone that don't go to church regularly. Not about the things of God. Now you might know some natural things, but when you belong to a ministry, a person that sees you, especially now I'm talking about those that are stepping into leadership. And But people look at people, they want to see the consistency. They want to know, actually what people want to know is that you're different from them. They're looking for something to draw from. 
So you have to you have to set yourself up where people can draw from you, not just naturally. Naturally, you know, you you can just naturally do it, but you want to be spiritually. You want to be a spiritual person that can help them spiritually. Because when a person is helping spiritually, naturally is going to fall right into place. It'll fall right into place, amen. And then we need to teach by example. We got to, you got, let me tell you, nobody's gonna listen if you don't lead by example. And you must take the word of God seriously. Nobody wants to take the word of God seriously. Everything that I've told you in the past few weeks, have you taken it seriously? For, for example, getting out of debt and saving money. Have you taken that seriously? Have you started that? Oh, I'm starting it Monday. Just like a diet. It's always the next Monday, the next Monday, the next Monday. But you have to take the Word of God seriously. Amen? And then we said teaching also means to encourage. Now, I think this was one that... Did we talk about encouraging? Yes, we did. It means to encourage. Now, encouraging, you you have to be able and learn how to encourage a person. Now, I want you to know, in all of these teachings that we have, in all of the things that God is speaking to us, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do any more of those because I have a lot of other things. If we're not taking the word of God seriously, if we, you know, if we haven't finished the assignment that he's given us, he's given us, he gave us assignments almost almost a year and a half ago that we are wall builders and you know what we saying it is is nothing that's that's just a saying that impresses you it doesn't impress god because because adversities are going to come and then what are you going to do are you going to come off the wall i've seen people come off the wall in a minute jump off the wall but see, you have to stay on the wall. And you know what? To be used by God, your heart must be prepared. Your life must be prepared. And you cannot be entangled to the, uh, with the affairs of this life. You cannot be entangled. You have to say, nope, I'm, I won't be entangled. I won't be entangled. Because everything, everything is going to come up for you to be entangled. Nope, I will not. We said you have to be ready to deal with adversity. And that's what we're going to be dealing with today. Uh, we're going to finish that off about adversities. Because it's very, and I was taking my time last week and I'm trying to take my time this week. When I get into it, adversities. Because this is going to be so very important to your preparation for what is to come. I told you don't look at it, your adversity. Whether because what's going on in the nation. Because your adversary is not a Democrat or a Republican. I told you that. So we don't look at it like that. We don't. Now you should vote. <laughs> Please vote. I don't want you to take this and say, well, you know, we just, I don't even need to vote. No, you need to vote. But just know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wicked in high places. And high places are these different positions that people are in. And so that's a, we're all, that it's the spirit behind the whole. This is not God's system. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Not this system. This is not God's system. There will be a system that he will set up, but this is not it. Did you hear me? This system is not God. This is a godly system. No, do it. This is not His system. Remember when 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 Adam failed in the garden. I mean, he 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 leased it out to the wicked one, and he had set up a system. 
But God said, but you can walk in that system. Remember Jesus walked, Jesus said, I'm here, the devil has nothing in me. And we can be the same way. Amen. And then we said that you're going to have to deal with people. People have to deal with you. People are human. There's always the human element that will always be around. Deal with it. We'll have to deal with unmet expectations. Deal with it. All those kind of things will come up. You have to be able to learn to deal with them and move forward. So you can uh, be ready to deal with adversity. The one thing that you have to do is know this of a surety. It's only where, when, and how you don't know it's coming. But know for surety it is coming. See, because everything is going good doesn't mean anything. Adversity is coming. See, we want to, I want to get us away from all of these teachings that we have an excellent, perfect life. Because that is not so. Everything is going to be great. You should never have India. And when you do, you, you know, God has made you more than conqueror. You, you can defeat this and you're, you're the head. You're the head. The, you're not the tail. We use all of those scriptures to just live a perfect life. So, in the, but you, but that's not what the Bible teaches. But see, it's what people want to hear. That's called itching ears. You want to hear that everything is going to always be good. But you have, well, look at your life. Have everything always been good? No, because that's not the way it works. The Bible says, in this life that you're living, you shall, not maybe, he said, you shall have tribulation. You will not change that scripture if you said, in this life, you shall have trouble. As a matter of fact, Another scripture says, man born of woman, there are many days of trouble. Many days of trouble. So, trouble is not the issue. The, the point is, you, it's coming. You're going to have that. But the main thing about it is, we have someone greater that lives on the inside of us. I don't, it can come anywhere it wants to. Great is he that's in me. Than he that's in the world. And God, I'm not surprised about this trouble. Because I know something was coming. Because Father, you're taking me to another level. And whenever you're going to another level. Whenever you're going to another point of success. You're going to have a bigger adversity. And it's going to strengthen you. The last adversity ought to always strengthen you. This pandemic. It should be strengthening you. For what's coming next. It should be strengthening you. Amen. And so we talked about those things that live. Then we said that <clears throat> you're made ready to deal with that adversity with adversities. You're going to have adversity. That's the way you deal with adversity. Because I went through this. I've gone through this. I know what to do. And I get it done. I've been through this. It's like on a job. You, sometimes, you know, and, uh, you know, some of you can maybe attest to this. Some problems are issues. A new person come in and they talk about it and you've seen it before. And you like, yeah, well let me show you how that, how that works. Why? I know what I'm looking at. I know what it is because I've seen it before. They probably haven't seen it before, but you have. And you know how to fix the problem. So it is with adversity. Well you, because you've gone through that adversity before, someone else has it, now you can go in and say, oh I know exactly what you're going through. I know how you're thinking. I've been there. I know what, I know all of that. Let me show you how to fix it. Amen? And then I told you that in our life that 
adversities should increase. And we didn't like to hear that because it didn't sound very charismatic. Because it should be increasing because success, built into success is adversities. Built into it. You want to be successful? You're going to have adversities. And every time you get, the larger you get, the more adversities you're going to have. I want to be successful. I want to, I'm a, you know, people love to holler they're an entrepreneur until it comes to the adversities. Oh, I wasn't planning on this. Well, you're not planning on being a success. Adversities will come. Amen. And adversities are supposed to teach you. Now, see, if you understand the relationship with him, you understand this adversity is not going to kill me because I have a relationship. But it should teach me something. It should teach me something. Amen. And I told you that in, in this, God, it, it rains on the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter. The sinner and the saint, the same way. We want to we act like, well, because I'm saved, you know, none of that comes upon me. No, all of it, it comes upon you. I, I mean, everybody, if, let me tell you, if everything's shut down in the country now, everybody's going to be affected. Not just, not just the sinners. Well, just look at it now. You are saved. Are you being affected? Sure. And the sin, the sinner is too. I don't care when I, you know, God's not doing nothing for the atheists or the agnostics. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It, it's not like we walk outside and it's raining, and when we walk outside, the sun shines for us. You know, it's storming out there. All the sinners and everybody's in the rain. And we walk out and God just has the sun on us as we walk. No, we're in the rain with an umbrella as well. Why? Because it's straight across the board. Because in this life, you shall have troubles. You shall have it. So, whatever is going to come your way, just know your promise is in Him. Don't bank your promises on people here on the earth. Don't bank your promise on a paycheck. It's not a promise. A job is not a promise. What you see here is not... Any, listen, anything that you can see with your natural eye is not a promise. It's a sense. I sense it, I see it, I taste it, I smell it. Any, anything that register on your senses is not faith at all. Did you hear me? Anything that register on your senses is not faith. Anything you can see is not faith. And see, I can't take for granted that to me that's elementary. But I can't take, can't take for granted that it's elementary for you. Anything you taste, touch, smell, hear, those things you have to understand, they're registered on my senses. Are you following me? And then I told you people that are unprepared are always people full of drama. And we always know people like that and we're not going to even get into that. You know who you are. Amen. And then we went to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's just go over there. Let's, let, let's, let's just park there. And we talked about um, the relationship with God. 
Oh, we must. Oh, God, we must. We must get a revelation that we have a relationship with God. When things come up, situations come up, don't run to the situation. Don't get frustrated. Get yourself all hooked into the fact that Jesus is Lord and I have a relationship with him. You have to learn to trust the relationship. He has, if I have a relationship, I trust the relationship with him. Whether it be through perilous times, whether it be through a person, whether it be through my health change, whether through whatever it is, whatever human elements it is, whatever unmet expectations that I thought should happen this way or that way, all of those things, grab this. All of those things, you should know that God, I have a relationship with you. I'm not going to be disappointed. If something come up and it it didn't, didn't land the way I thought it is, Father, I have a relationship with you. I'll stay with that. Why? Because I trust the relationship. Now, you can't trust a relationship that you don't know what's in the relationship. And the natural, you don't do that. You, most of the husbands and wives in here, the husband know what the wife will do, the wife know what the husband would do. Well, we know wives and husbands hide a few little things, but you know them for the most part. You know them, why? Because I live with them, I talk to them on a daily basis, I know their voice, I know what they're saying. Sometimes you can live with somebody so long, you can think what they're thinking, you can almost say it simultaneously. Because you, because you, you know them. Well, it's the same way with the relationship with God. But if you don't spend no time with Him, if you don't study, if you don't have a prayer life, if you don't have a devotional time, if you don't have where you're lifting your head to God, if you don't have where you're communicating with Him, how do you have a relationship? And you cannot have a relationship through someone else that has a relationship with Him. Well, my mother know God, my father know God, my uncle know God. That had nothing to do. You cannot be grandfathered into this relationship. It's a one-on-one relationship. You have to make it yourself. You have to come to a point where this relationship is between me and God. At some point, you know, your parents, they're only, it's just a certain point in their life where they have dominion over your faith. And then that's it. Then it's all on you. I don't care how the parents look at it. God is saying, now you have to decide for yourself if you're going to walk with me. And I've seen many, many walk away from that walk. I have seen so many parent-pleasing relationships till it's ridiculous. Parent-pleasing relationship will not get you the victory, will not get you the reward, will not get you to understand and grow in this relationship. You have to have it for yourself. And then I talked about uh, the past. Uh, I, I, I have you at, at uh, Second Corinthians. We could stay there. But we may, I told you we must learn to trust God. But then we also have to trust His path. We got to trust his path. If he put us on the path, stay there. It doesn't matter. The, the path never is going to look like it's going to take you where you need to go. That's when people miss it as well. They get off the path and say, well, I know, but, you know, I didn't know how that was going to work out, so I went and I did this and I... No, no, no. It, just because it doesn't look like it's working don't mean that it's not working. You got to stay on the path. Amen. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, are you there? Verse 1, 
Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received, am I in the right place? Uh, mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, in that, we need to say, you know what, God, everything, I, I understand where I, where I am. And you have, now this is, this is opening up the gateway. This is casting up the stone. I got to make sure my life is in a place where others can see, others can be blessed, and others can walk in that. If you're not walking in that, there's going to be problems. People will not follow those that are not leading by example. Are you with me? Stand on the path. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge you at Him, and He shall direct your path. you got to acknowledge Him. And if I acknowledge Him, I spend time with Him. Amen? Then, this is where we're going to, to begin anew. Uh, let's go to First uh, Samuel chapter 30. Now, in this, we have to understand this. 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you are ready to deal with adversity, you have to learn to encourage yourself. Let's get it. You have to learn to encourage yourself. I have learned this over the last couple of years. You have to learn to encourage yourself. Now this is a valuable lesson. And this is a valuable lesson for this day and the times in which we live right now. And it's, it's important because you know what? We live in an era where we're connected. Everything is connected. And what connected people don't learn to do is to encourage themselves. Because they can get it from somewhere else. I can get it from Twitter. I can get it from a text. I can get it from Facebook. I can get it from... So I don't have to do all of that. You know, let us chat. See, we can get it from so many places. So we kind of back off of encouraging ourselves. Amen? And we learn how... We've, we've forgotten how to encourage ourselves. We're going to learn this morning. Because it's so... I'm telling you, God is telling you this for a reason. Because when things start happening, and they're going to start happening fast, you had better learn to encourage yourself, or you're going to fall to the wayside. You do not want to be the person that the scripture called, that even the elect will fall. You've got to learn to encourage yourself. Now let me bring some balance to that, because I want you to understand the balance in that. It's nice to have people to lean on. It's nice to have people to lean on. But you still have to learn to encourage yourself. It's nice to have people to lean on. It's a good thing. Now, there's a difference between leaning on and depending on. There's a difference. It's nice to have people to lean on. Not dependent on. Are you with me? 
Now listen to me. Because I'm talking about learning to encourage yourself. All of you can agree. Those of you that belong to this church. All of you can agree. I just want to show you something. This is a little object lesson for you. I'm pastor of this church. Am I right? Amen. Listen. Church of the Lord. I'm the pastor of Church of Living Water. And that means that every minister here is under my care. It means that every member here is under my care. Every family member in this church is under my care. Every minister that ministers is under my care. Hold on. I'm teaching you something. My chi- I think of my children. I am my children's pastor. They talk to me when they need counsel. They even talk to me about different things and I know when they need prayer. And I know when they're asking for prayer and not asking for prayer. When they're not even saying they need prayer. But they're talking to me because they need prayer. Again, I'm trying to show you something. Showing you how to encourage yourself. I'm my grandchildren's pastor. And every person that's close in my life my children, my grandchildren, every one of them lean on me. When our founding pastor was here, we all leaned on him. Now every one of them lean on me. Now when a situation arises in their life, at some point... Because everyone is leaving on me. When something comes up in my life, I have to encourage myself. Are you following me? See, we're now, even though they're leaning on me, but when something comes up in my life, I have to encourage myself. See, you take for granted now, you know, you know I can go to pastor. You, you, that's, wonder, that's a wonderful thing. But pastor can't go to you. So, where do I go when I need someone to lean on? Where do I go? Because most of the people around me are leaning on me. I've learned from my founding pastor to learn to encourage yourself. And now that I just kind of really look back on it, I think he taught me even more of that in the last few years of his life. How to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. And remember, he often talked about when his, when, his, when his father passed away and how he didn't even talk to me about things. He learned to encourage himself. In the Lord. That's how you encourage yourself. How do I encourage myself? You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. 
I'm not talking about, okay, I'm going to forget it. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. No, no, no. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. It has to be in the Lord. It's not just saying a certain thing to make you happy. No, it has to be in the Lord. So what does that mean? I have to have a relationship with it so that I can encourage myself in the Lord. Anybody can say different things to make you feel better, but it doesn't make the circumstance change. When you encourage yourself in the Lord, it changes things. I'm not talking about something I've heard or read. I'm talking about something I live. In the Lord. See, it used to be that when my husband wanted to be encouraged, you know, I could rub his back, I can do all that, rub his feet, cut his toenail. I can do all of those things. But at some point he had to get up and teach. He had to teach, he had to tell me what he wanted me to do. Yeah, see, he, at, at some point he had to get up and do something. He always had an answer. And see, I get it, and I understand when you say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. Oh, Father, I'm praying for my Pastor. Pastor, we have your back. We're right there with you, Pastor. And, it's kind of a selfish, selfish prayer because in essence you said, Father, I'm lifting my pastor up to you. It's because you want a message on Sunday. And that's okay. I'll take that. I, it, it's okay. You Father, keep her. Because everything that you have for me that's in her, I want it. So Father, bless her. And again, I'm okay with that. I take that. I take it when you holler to the Lord. Strengthen her, Lord, so she can preach that word to me next Sunday. <laughs> Lift her up. It's a little selfish, but I take it. Don't stop. It's okay. But what I am telling you, in order to have, to bear the responsibility that I have now, in order to have that, I have learned that I cannot depend on anyone to prop me up. I cannot depend on that. My pastor didn't, and I won't either. I won't depend on anyone to prop me up. I've learned that there'll be days, and there'll be times, and there will be seasons that I have to just encourage myself. And God is telling you there's going to be days and there are going to be times and there's going to be seasons in your life that you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself but it's going to have to be in the Lord. Are you going to go all, all off doing all kinds of things and calling it God? I have to encourage myself God is saying for you, I think I got one of my pages mixed up here. God is saying to us that we have to press toward that. We got to know what we're looking for. We got to know what God is saying. And you know what? One of the things about this is, is understanding that you have to have dominion. You have to have dominion. 
See, if you don't have dominion, you're not going to know how to operate like that. You're not going to know how. You have to have dominion over this flesh, dominion over all, all the entanglement of the world, have dominion over it. Did you hear me? Now, the word dominion means sovereignty or control. You're going to have to have control over it. It takes dominion in your spirit for you to increase in every area. Financially, it takes dominion in your spirit for you to increase. Increase in knowledge, you have to have dominion. Because somebody, remember that's too vying for your attention. The enemy is vying for your attention. And he's trying to get it. And if you don't know how to have dominion, because he's given you a way to have dominion. you got to know when that dominion is. Now, dominion, write this down. When I say uh, dominion helps you get your finances, I write the scripture down. Deuteronomy 8, verses 7 through 9, and verse 18. But it takes dominion to have that. See, a lot of God's people, you're giving all your time and all your development and everything that you have to the world just to make money. And God says, I'll teach you how to have dominion and it'll come to you. Because I'll set people up that's going to be... Now, I'm not talking about anything mythical and nothing just going to come in the mail. I've got No, dominion is going to set you in a place. Dominion brings you into a place of plenty and abundance where I can stand. See, you need, that's why God said, get out of debt. Save. Because when this comes, you're gonna, you, you're gonna have to have a, be in a place of dominion where you won't be put under the thumb of this world. It is when you operate in the image and likeness of God that you dispense dominion. And if there's no dominion, there will be oppression. If there is no dominion, there will be oppression. Put these points down on operating in dominion. When dominion is missing, a missing ingredient in your life, Oppression from the enemy will come right in. When dominion is the missing ingredient in your life, suffering comes right in. When dominion is the missing ingredient in your life, you become poor. Because you, you're, you're just up under the thumb. That's how you see people from generation to generation on welfare. No dominion. When dominion is the missing ingredient in your life, many people struggle with curses because they don't know the dominion that they have. When you don't have dominion, the evil one overcomes you. You can holler, I have, I'm an overcomer all you want, but if you have no dominion, I'm telling you, the evil one overcomes you. And when dominion is a missing ingredient in your life, 
It crushed, you're crushed by this system. You are crushed. Again, you are crushed by this system. You do not want to be crushed by this system. But you are when you don't have dominion. Are you following me? You are crushed. You cannot encourage yourself in the Lord when you don't have dominion. You have no way of feeling like, okay, Father, I have dominion there. Father, I'm encouraging myself in you, in what your word says, in this relationship. You won't do it. You can't do it. Dominion is important. When you are encouraging yourself, you in the Lord, that this is what you have to do. You have to go back and look at the past. Remember, He directs your path. You have to look at the promise. You have to have, have a relationship with Him to know His promises. And then you have to look at the provision that He's already provided. It's all in His Word. You go back and you look at that. That's how you encourage yourself. i got to go back. What path did He set me on? When did I get off? How did I get off? What is what He told me to do? What is the promises that He told me about a situation like this? What are the promises? What is the provision that He's already placed before this thing manifested? Is there. And then you encourage yourself based on the fact that the path has not changed, because you'll see it. The path will still be there. You'll, 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 you'll begin to encourage yourself on the fact that the promise is still true, no matter what way it looks. The promise is true, the provisions is still there. And the power is still on the inside of me. So what do I do? I have to get up and say, okay, let me encourage myself in those things. Listen, if I was a psychologist or a sociologist, I would put it to you this way. Everybody at some point, listen, has to learn how to self-soothe. Everybody has to learn how to self-soothe. Oh, I don't know what that is. It is nothing worse than a baby that don't know how to, have never learned how to self-soothe. I'm talking about a real natural baby. At some point, mama and daddy, you have to say, listen, because this is the way I did. You're fed, you're clean. You're dry. There's nothing else for you to do but get in here and relax. There's nothing else for you to do. I've done everything. And you're still whining. You're wrapped up in a nice warm blanket in a nice little cute room. The path, the promise and provision I've met. See, I've taken care of all the needs that you needed done. They're met. I'm right here if you really need me. But you don't. You don't need me. Because why? You're clean. You're fed. You're dry. There's nothing else. So what do you do now, parents? 
time for you. I used to say, it's time for you to go in the dungeon. But you, what you're telling them is time for you to cry. You just sit there and cry. It might hurt my heart that you're crying, but you need to cry enough until you find out everything is all right with you. Everything's all right with you. And let them holler and holler and holler. You have everything you need. You will be all right. You're going to find out. And the more you holler, you're going to find out everything's all right with you. You're going to be, you go, you're going to let them learn to be satisfied in the state that you're in. Why? Because I've done everything. I've met every need that they needed. They got toys in their playpen, pacifier. They have everything they need. So now you have to learn to take care of yourself. That's when they lay down and play with their toes. That's self-soothing. Kick their legs in there and just play with their toes, play with their hands, play with their feet. That's called self-soothing. But you know, we always have them first-time parents and them... <laughs> I'm not going to call you silly. But we have those parents. <laughs> uh, they just won't do it. They won't let themselves soothe. Have you ever seen a baby that have grown up into a child that has never been self-soothed? They are horrible. They are horrible. They, they're, they're horrible little things. Because they never, I mean, they're horrible because the parents never let themselves do any little thing. What do you want? Wait, wait, wait. No, let me do this. Oh, let me, let me hold you. Let me do it. Never let themselves do. I've seen horrible little people, terrible little people. And some of you as adults are horrible little terrible people of God because you haven't self-soothed. You don't know how to you don't know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. See, when the babies are playing with their toes, they're encouraging themselves because they're not picking me up, and we haven't learned that. So God, we we want self soothe, and God said, "Look, I gave you the path, I gave you the promise, I gave you the provision, and you're still whining. It's time for you to cry until you find out it's all right with you." You need to find out it's all right with you. Every need is met. I mean, if I'm here if you need me, but everything is met. I've given you the power and you're still whining. Still whining with power. Listen, David went out to battle. And adversity came where, when, and how he wasn't expecting. While he was out to battle, the men came, burnt down all, everything around him, took the wives, the children, took everything that they had, children gone, everything. Burnt down the city. See, that's what I said. It, that, <laughs> it's not going to come when you think. David went when he when they went out to battle. They never thought that was going to. Matter of fact, on the battlefield they got victory and came home to adversity. 
<laughs> Are you in First Samuel? I'll tell you a little more about the minions. In First Samuel chapter 30, beginning at verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that was with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They couldn't even get it together. David, all of them. Yes, I'm talking about King David. The same man. They could not get it, not every, but notice this, not everything was lost. Okay. But they were weak. Look at verse, look, look at verse 4. Then David said unto the people that was with him, lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5. And David's two wives were taken captive. Uh, Ahinom and the Jezreelite, no, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Let me tell you here, Nobody was going to encourage David. As a matter of fact, they were blaming David. And David thinking to himself, well, what about, my wives and children are gone too. But they was like, because let me tell you, everybody always blamed the leaders. They always going to blame the leaders. It's always going to do that. His, his wife was gone just like everybody else. His children were gone. But they wanted to stone him. Like we just came back from battle, but let's stone David. He's the leader. And David's thinking to himself, well, they want to stone me. I can't talk to them because they're in an uproar. I can't take, talk to my wives and children. Why? Because they're not here. They've been taken. And everybody else is around here is weeping and howling and going on. And David said, I have to encourage myself in the Lord. See, now that's taking dominion. Listen, you know how to encourage yourself? You have to learn in adversity. You have to learn to get up. Get up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up. That, that's the first start to encouraging yourself in the Lord. Get up. When Pastor Hill transitioned, it was a time I was down. And the Spirit of the Lord said, time is up. Get up. Courage yourself in me. You, you, when I say you have to learn to get up, you cannot dwell on what happened. Whatever it may be. You can't dwell on that. Whatever's in your life. You know what? I, I thank God. And I know it was God. It was not me. But God, through all that I've gone through, God has given me the ability to forgive what some people have done to me, said about me, 
all of those things. I'm like, God, only God to do that. I know it's not me because why? I know me. I know my weaknesses. I know my issues. I know, and everybody knows themselves. But I know it's God. I'm like, God, only you can give me the ability to just let go. Because why? I want to go to another place. Because forgiveness, unforgiveness, make it where you can't go to another place. And I thank God for that because I said, God, you, only you. You have given me the ability to forgive what some people have done, what some people have said. And I think I've become a person that whatever happens, happens. Whatever you did, you did. It's okay. It's over. It's nothing. Whatever you said, you said. You know, the sun comes up fresh for a reason. I said the sun comes up fresh for a reason. I've learned that as well. I have found that you shouldn't be dealing with things that was under yesterday's sun. Because you got a fresh new one. God said that's yesterday's sun. And at some point you have to get up. So don't deal with yesterday's son. Some people can't get past that. And, 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 and I'm telling you, I get it. And I know where you are. Because uh, some things can stick with you. But it, it, it's encouraging yourself in the Lord that free you of those things. And you know it's God. Because it's not something you would naturally do. Oh... And if you don't trust in the relationship with God, I'm going to tell you, you will start trusting in people. And people will never get you up. Did you hear me? If you don't trust in the relationship with God, you will start trusting in people. And people will never get you up. The only thing that they want to get, they want to get an update of how down you are. That's all they want to know. They're not going to get you up. That's why I have to trust in the Lord. That's why I have to stay with the things of God. That's why I am putting and encouraging myself in the Lord. People don't get you up. I'm not impressed with what people say. That don't get me up. And see, when you start trusting the people, let me show you. See, once you start trusting the people, you got to go retail, rehash everything back up to tell them how it all happened, revisited, restate what was stated, what was said, you know. And especially, learn, learn, learn to get up. Especially you young generation. Learn to get up. Listen, I told you in a previous teaching that my generation, we was all hooked into blaming everybody. Let me tell you, you don't want to be in your 60s still talking about what mama and daddy didn't do. 
you know, leave that to the generation that, you know, we fixed it and we're going on. Stop. It's over. Still talking about, well, you and I grew up. and No. Still talking about that. And that, that, that was the mistake of my generation. Let it go. Now you're growing old. You look like your parents. And you're still talking about what they didn't do. And now you look just like them. Sound just like them. They didn't do this. And you, you act just like them. And you say that you're not going to do anything they do. You're doing exactly what they did. All the while blaming them. And then you would actually say to yourself, I'm doing my own thing. I ain't being nothing like that. And doing the exact same thing. And still blaming them. They didn't do this. Learn from us. Get up. We have to learn to seek the Lord. Look at verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. (laughs) Oh, have I learned this. This is how you learn to seek the Lord. When I say seek the Lord, it goes back to Proverbs 2. Also, trusting in the Lord, leaning not into your own understanding. You cannot forget to seek the Lord. When troubles, tribulations, and things and adversities come up, you cannot forget to seek the Lord. And when you seek the Lord, listen... You are seeking, please listen to this closely. You are seeking him to find out what to do, not to tell him what you're going to do and bless it. David said, shall I pursue? God, David said, God, I'm going to go after us. Be with me. Be with me. Strengthen me to go out. He didn't tell God what he was going to do. He asked God what to do and what was right to do. When you seek the Lord, stop coming to Him with everything that you plan on doing and telling Him to bless you in it. That's not seeking the Lord. That's instructing the Lord. Lord, I'm about to move to this other city. Go before me. Prepare a way. You commanding God. I'm next word to people saying, God, go by the hospital. Just tell God what to do. That's not seeking God. Seeking God, I need to seek God on what to do. Not doing my own thing. God, what do I do? David said, God, shall we pursue? Now, take any American man in here. Your wives and children are gone. Oh, I know it's God's will. I ain't even trying to hear. I'm going to get my wife. I'm going to get my... Not even considering whether God said pursue it or not. God might was going to bring them back. But you're, gonna, you're not going to wait on that. I'm gonna, that. That's my wife. That's my wife. I'm, a, I'm her covering. You no, know, we can use God's word to manipulate things. But we're not, that's not seeking God. That's doing your own thing. I'm going to get, oh no, that's my wife. Those are my children. And they somewhere I know they're scared. I'm going after them. 
When did you seek the Lord? What are you going to pursue when you get there? Now, you get over there, your wife and children in trouble, and now you run up on a whole gang of people. Now you're in trouble. You can't help them. Who are you? I'm a man of God. He gave me the strength of Samson. Well, first of all, you didn't even seek Him. Prime example. David said, Shall I pursue? Will I win? Because I'm not going if you are not telling me I'm going to get my children. I'm just going to sit here and encourage myself in the Lord. David was like, do I go get her? Do I go after her? Actually, what David was saying is, I need to know that this is what your will is. And if it is your will, this, if this is your will, David's like, I'm all in. I'm, 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 hey, I'm, everybody, let's go. See, once you sought the Lord and He's given you the direction and I say, let's go, don't give me all of these worldly things that why we shouldn't. I don't listen to that. When my oldest son comes, because me and him have big discussions and stuff, and he comes with some worldly stuff, I say, oh, no, sir. No, sir. That don't work. You know, we talk about the, the, the climate that we're in, and, and they're going to do this. And I, no, no, no. God's Word is priority over everything. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it's right. See, that's the way it's easy to get pulled and entangled with this system. And you won't seek the Lord. You won't encourage yourself in it. Because you don't think He's here. I see, I take in the relationship. He said, He'll never leave me or forsake me. I bank on that in times of trouble. God, it don't feel like you're here, but I don't operate in my feelings. I operate in the fact that we have a relationship. And in the relationship, you told me you'll never leave me or forsake. You told me that you've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their seed begging bread. So I stay there. No matter how it looks. And if you want to walk out that door, you can walk out that door. I'm staying put until I hear from God. Until he tells me. Just like when all the churches begin to, they want to open back up for this. And that was not moving me one bit. Because I'm going to hear from God. I don't care. When my pastor, I don't care. Listen. Your pastor did not call me. I don't care what your pastor's doing, what your church is doing. I don't care if everybody go. And I don't care if everybody go and don't get COVID. If God didn't tell me to do it, I'm, now I got that from my pastor as well. I'm not moved. You don't have to talk to me about nothing like you're encouraging me, but you're actually trying to manipulate me to do it your way. You don't have to do that. Because I don't listen to anybody but God when it comes to people that I have care over. Got that from my pastor too. See, if it was just only about me, well, I still do the same because where I am. 
But I have people I have care over. I gotta hear from God. God, I, I, I'm not moving until you, until I hear from you. I don't care if I gotta wrestle all night and wake up with a lift. I don't care. I have to hear from you. I'm not moving. In no circumstance. In no situation. Seeking the Lord. Don't want to go, God, if it's not your will. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care what it looks like. Something I wanted to do, and uh, and, I, and 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 you know, my, because my sons live with me and stuff, I kind of talk to them, and 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 I believe they both men of God, and so and I told them something I did, and they said, no, mom, I don't think you should do it. And they would give me the reason why this, that, and the other and everything like that. And then God said, listen. Then I sought the Lord. And I said, okay, God. I heard what they said, but what do you say? I was just talking to them. Just, just hearing, because I'm going to go with what you said. He said, well, actually, I was speaking through them. I said, oh, well, uh, yes, sir. You know, God will do that, too. And so I began to encourage myself in the Lord. And I dropped it. Not because it was my son. Because I heard from God. God don't have my sons living with me just to lean on me. I'm just... I, and a lot of times... See, a lot of times they don't even know. A lot of times I ask them things because I want to know where they are. I already know what to do, but I want to know where they are. I have to learn to pursue the will of God. Go after it. If in adversity you listen, in adversity you cannot be passive. Ooh, you men that are passive? Ooh, your wives are in trouble. You cannot be passive. You can't be timid. God said pursue and David went after it all and recovered it all. You cannot be passive. You cannot be weak. You cannot be timid. You must learn how to pursue the will of God. Go after it with all that's in you. Don't let adversity put you back on the hill when God is already telling you where to go. Don't let it do that. To be ready in adversity, you must learn to be steadfast. In other words, when adversity comes, you have to learn to not compromise. When adversity comes, don't compromise, church. I don't care if... It, now, this is where I, I need to talk to you men. Because you all got some kind of wives. Some of you got some kind of wives. And I love each and, one, each and every one of your wives. I really do. But I've come to know them over the years too. Knowing them in a spiritual way. You cannot compromise. You cannot compromise. Even when it comes to your spouse. When God has shown you what he needs to because you have sought him, don't compromise. Because let me tell you, wives can give you every reason to do every other thing. 
They'll break it down and make it sound sensible. And it just be all wrong. God's like, now I've never told you that. And see, and we, and we, you know, we want to, we, I tell you, we can take the script, you can make the scripture say anything you want. Well, you remember what God told, uh, Abraham, listen to your wife. Yeah! <laughs> oh, God. He also told Abraham, told Sarah right in front of him, why did you laugh? Told, that don't mean nothing. You gotta know, for yourself. I can't compromise this. And your wife, you need to understand, once your spouse tells you, I won't compromise this, you shouldn't try to beat him down to make him uncompromised. I'm going to go on it. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to make it work. It will get you later. But see, you have to trust that he knows God. That he's hearing from God. Let me tell you, I trust my husband to hear from God. When he said something, no matter what I wanted to do, he was dogmatic about it and that was it. And he would not budge and move. He would budge and move on a lot of things for me, on me, for me personally or some, some things. But when it came to the things of God, he would not compromise for me, for his mother, for his sister, for his brother, for anybody in his family. He would not budge. When he know he heard from God, he was steadfast and unmovable, and so am I. You cannot compromise. Well, she wanted to do it. Okay. Well, she is reading the Bible. I came home from work, and the Bible was open. Oh, God. Let me tell you, women do that. Open the Bible, put an ink pen, and a highlighter by it. You've been studying all day, babe. Mm-hmm. What? That ain't nothing. You go look at it, you be like, Zephaniah? See, they just flip the Bible off. What did you get out of Zephaniah? Oh, the children mess with that. No, no, what did you get out of anything? Anybody can lay a Bible open. It's their walk. It's their talk. Let me tell you. You know when a person has been in the presence of God. And for some of you, the way you're going to know, they're going to come in asking for forgiveness from all the foolishness they done put you through. Say, so, oh, they've been with God. But as long as you compromise, you become weak and timid. Amen. You must be bold. You have to let the world know, your family know, that you have overcome. That you have overcome. Let them know why you're still in the battle. I'm still in the battle because I'm an overcomer. I'm not giving up. I have gotten up. I'm not giving up. Now listen to me. Last one. When adversity comes, we must learn to let our work speak. See, sometimes when adversity comes, we oftentimes are kind of embarrassed in what challenge that we're going through. Sometimes people are embarrassed because they're sick or what they're doing. You know, it's just a challenge. Just, just, you know, it's an adversity. 
But you can get embarrassed that you have a challenge. Let your work speak. If your works are of God, let them speak. I've learned something and I'm learning it every day as pastor of this church. I'm just going to let my work speak. I'm just going to let my work speak. That's what I'm going to do. Because everybody have an opinion. I don't know if a woman should be there. God said that God. Everybody have an opinion. But if God is working through you, something notable will be happening. So I'm just going to let my work speak. I don't care whether you believe or don't believe in a woman pastor. I could care. I care about as much as that as I do a flea on a dog's back. That's how much I care about whether you believe or whether you say, I don't care. At the end of the day, listen, as I let my word speak, nobody will be able to say anything against me. I'm just going to teach the word. I'm just going to let my work speak. Why does she do that? It doesn't matter. Why? I'm just going to let my work speak. Because for me, this is the way I feel. Every time I finish here, this is what I think. And this is why I let my work speak. In whatever's going on in your head, or whatever's going on in your thought, if whatever's going on with you having a problem with me having a womb and you not having a womb or whatever, whatever kind of foolishness that's in your head, listen. Every week, when I finish teaching and ministering, your life has changed. See, that speaks for me. Week by week, just let my work speak. God said, God said, don't you dare argue with anybody as if I have to give an account to them. Don't you argue with anybody. Don't, he said, don't you dare get caught up defending yourself. Just let your work speak. And I'm in the relationship. So he's always right there. That's in the past. That's in our relationship. And if something notable is happening in your life, no one will really have some, anything to say against you. Now that's in Acts chapter 4. Read it. I have no qualms with what people say they believe or don't believe or whatever because I found out in the Word that there is neither Greek Jew, Scythian, male, female, but all are one in Christ. I found in his word that he said, I will pour out of my spirit on that day on my handmaidens, and they shall prophesy. Well, first of all, the only people don't even know what prophesy is. 
That's in the relationship. I'll stay there. I'll always stay there. So, you don't have to discuss anything with me. You don't have to belong to this church. You don't have to stop by. You don't have to do any of that. Because if you stop by here, guess who's going to be here? Me. With a wound. Because I don't compromise. Our church don't compromise. We teach the word. Let's just say, hypothetically, that women are not supposed to be pastors. Just hypothetically, let's just say that. Will I go to hell for what I'm doing right now? And you being blessed? Well, call it what you want. Then don't call me a pastor. Call me a speaker. Does that help you? <laughs> Let it help you. For some, it might be, she's a missionary. Call me that. Titles mean nothing to me. Pastor is not a person. It's an office. Idiots think it's a person. It's not all. I wonder if you knew your CEO was a woman, would you have something to gripe about? What difference does it make? And I'll guarantee you, I can stand with anybody preaching with male parts. And we both can deliver. And somebody's going to get blessed by all of us. Because it's not about foolishness and for the unlearned. And you know why that is? <laughs> because I have dominion. God gave it to me. He said, I've given you dominion. Dominion is a code of survival, prosperity, protection on the earth. I have that dominion. And I purpose in my heart and my time and being here on this assignment that everyone under this ministry shall have that same dominion. And when you operate in that dominion, guess what? You can never be beneath. You'll always be on top. And I'm not talking about on top according to the world. Or top according to God. When you have dominion, you will not be dominated by foolishness and devils and crazy stuff. You're not dominated by that. You don't get off into that. When you have dominion, Listen, this is a good one, especially for you that's just hoarding for money. When you have dominion over finances, see, first you have to take dominion. That means I got to stop making all these bills. I got to get out of debt. I got to save money. But when you have dominion over your finances, guess what happened? You start getting finances from unexpected places. Ooh, God. I said, God, now come on. Come on, God. He's like, yeah. 
from unexpected places when you first take dominion over your own finances. And, and let me tell you, God said, I mean, well, why would I give you more when you're not doing that with you have? So do good with that. Have dominion over that. And watch me begin to bring it from unexpected. Did I say it was falling out the sky? Did I say you was a magnet and money going to just come and just stick on you? Did I say people need to come and put money on them? No. From unexpected places. And I'm not talking about money you have to pay back, but you have to first take dominion, have control, because that's what dominion is, over your own finances. We're talking about understanding of having and understanding the expectancy of God in your life if you're going to be used by Him. Dominion was created by God. Listen. Dominion was created by God to be a private commodity. <laughs> you know why? Because you cannot use the dominion meant for me. You cannot use the dominion meant for someone else. It's a private commodity. So you have to have your own personal dominion. Whenever God wants to restore you, He sends dominion to you through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is the here and now. I want you to know, church, I want you to know, it's not about to rain. The rain is already falling. Don't wait for the rain. It's already falling. You need to have dominion to live peaceful. A peaceful life on the face of this earth. So you can walk in that. It's no longer about to rain. It is raining. It is raining. Time. The preparation is there. You grab it. You hold it. You do not be You do not compromise. God is your source. He's given you dominion over everything over the earth. Everything that belongs to Him. Control. This system we cannot be entangled with. If I'm going to be used by God, if God's going to prepare me for His next move, I must have dominion over every area of my life. Every area. Start with small things, but start having dominion. In that dominion, you will watch doors. Oh, God will pop open doors from you unexpected. Dominion over adversities that are sure to come. The adversities are sure to come. It's not if they'll come; it's when they'll come. Because it's gone, they're coming. In this life, you—they're coming. Sit yourself down. Seek the Lord. 
Find out everything in the relationship. Find out everything you can in the relationship. And say, Father, it's in the relationship. And once it's in the relationship, God, I don't even have to bother you with it. All I got to do is thank you for it. Because if you said you're going to do it, you're going to do it. You know what? We never have to worry about God doing what he said he's going to do. Never. You never have to say, well, I wonder if God's going to heal, heal them. You never have to worry about what God said he'll do. He's already done. It's set in the motion. But what do you have faith to believe? What do you have faith to believe that won't come across your senses and get you all jacked up and messed up? God is a faithful God. He's faithful to the end. It's not about the rain already raining. The outpouring has already begun. If you're running behind, you had better catch up. You had better catch up. And you had better catch up quick. You had better unentangle yourself and catch up because it's already... Right now, it's misting, but it's raining. But when the outpouring comes, where will you be? when God has instructed you in righteousness. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.